we shall be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 7 to 19. Again, that is Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 7 to 19. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. Good morning. Our God is good. We continue our series on the letter to the Hebrews. And if you have not been following the series, feel free to go to gcfnaga.com. There is a portion there, a part where it says sermons. Click it and you will find an audio with the outline and some discussion questions. If you feel like you need to review, like some of us listen after the sermon here, some of us listen to it again so that we can follow carefully in our studies. The title of today's sermon is Do Not Harden Your Heart. The message of the writer of Hebrews is clear. Christ is better than Judaism. He is better than the prophets and the angels, and Christ is more excellent than Moses. Although the author stated that Christ is better several times, he shifts to a position that there is no comparison. The author undoubtedly stated that Christ is God. How can anyone compare? God, the Father, called his son God, and the recipients of the letter received a warning about neglecting so great a salvation. The author explained the more severe punishment of those who neglect God's salvation. Furthermore, the writer declared that Christ is both the apostle and high priest of our confession. The apostle meaning he represents the Godhead, heaven, to us, 
as he came down to preach to us the gospel and die for us, yet he also represents us to God through intercession. He became a man and defeated the devil as a man without sin. And he rose again, and as a man, as an intercessor, he identifies with us, and he represents us to the Father. And through Christ, many would become part of God's family. So, the title of today's sermon is Do Not Harden Your Heart, and that is my first point. The author reminded the Jewish believers about their ancestors who hardened their hearts. They provoked God, and as a result, they wandered the wilderness. No, the stubborn generation did not enter God's rest. And the, the writer quotes portions of Psalm 95. In the Old Testament, they kept provoking God. If you've read in Exodus, and if you read through the Torah, the first five books, you will see there the story, even when they were about to enter the promised land, and God promised that he shall be with them as he has made them win battles before, but they became afraid and they hardened their hearts, and they did not enter into God's rest. The first admonition of, of, of the writer of Hebrews in this text is, Listen to what the Spirit says. Today, not tomorrow, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. The author quoted parts of Psalm 95, and instead of saying that David wrote the psalm, he stated that the Holy Spirit says, take note of that. David wrote the psalm, but he says the Holy Spirit says. One time somebody asked me, who wrote the Bible? I said, God and man. God used men to write the Bible. God inspired them to write. As David was inspired to write a song, however, we acknowledge in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the writers of the Bible. So even though David wrote it, the writer of Hebrews says, the Holy Spirit says, Although it was written many, many years ago, the author was making relevant what David said long time ago to his day in the first century church. In the same way, that's what we do today. We study the writings of the Old and New Testament that were written more than 2,000 years ago, yet we see its relevance for today. And he will keep repeating this word today. So he believed that it was God who wrote, who says. It was the Spirit who says, even though David was the one God used to write. It shows us that the writer believed in the inspiration of Scripture. And we believe the same thing, that the Holy Scriptures is God-breathed, meaning inspired by God. That even though God used men like David, the words are considered God's words. The Holy Spirit inspired men of God to write. And there is a human component and a divine component. On another note, the author acknowledged the voice of God today through Scripture. Let's read verse 8. 
So he said in verse 7, today if you hear his voice, verse 8 says, Do not harden your heart as when they provoke me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers, meaning ancestors, your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That's from verses 7 to 11. So the, the ancients, a generation provoked God. That generation provoked God again and again and again and again. And uh, the writer of Hebrews will, will explain what it was that truly provoked God. What was it? That what was their sin? They committed many sins, but what was that sin that truly provoked God? He will explain further. However, we will not yet read verses 12, because if you look at this text, uh, verses 12 to, to 14, is like uh, a, there was like a sandwich. He takes a break there and continues to verse 15. So verses 7 to 11 and 15 to 19 are alike. And in the middle, there's sort of a different admonition, a different warning or instruction for, for them. The author warned them twice. So there's that first part in 7 to 11 and then 15 to 19. A warning there and a warning again. Warn them twice. A stubborn heart against God's word will, will lead to severe consequences. I will say that again. A stubborn heart against God's word will lead to severe consequences. In God's anger, he prevented the ancestors from receiving his rest. They provoked God and they went astray in their hearts. Moreover, they did not know God's ways, as we will read in a little while. They did not know God's ways. A whole generation was disobedient. Thus, they did not enter into his rest. Let's read verses 15 to 19. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as when they provoke me. Again, the author repeated it. Remember that in Jewish writing, they do not, have, they do not use exclamation points. I mean, in, in the Greek, but even Jewish style, what they do is they repeat words and phrases. So let me say that again. When they need to emphasize something, Jewish writers repeat words and phrases. So if you say God is holy, 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 if it is three times, that is the maximum, the maximum emphasis. So he repeats again, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. So verse 16, for who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, not all who came out of, of Egypt, led by Moses, and with whom he was angry for 40 years. 
Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So there's that word disobedient, but then let's read some more. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. They were not able to enter because of unbelief. And he connects unbelief with disobedience. Because first and foremost, we have to believe in God's word. Don't even try to obey something you don't believe in. So we begin with that. Do you believe God? Do you believe God's word? In the New Testament, do you believe Christ? Do you believe in what he did on the cross? Do you believe in his promises? Because if you don't believe that, that is when we provoke him. You see, this generation saw the most miracles compared to any other generation. The plagues of Egypt, the opening of the Red Sea, water coming out of the rock. They have seen the miracles, yet they could not believe. They could not believe God will give them the victory when they enter the promised land because there were many, uh, they think they were giants there. They could not even believe that even though prior to that, God fought for them because of their unbelief. Then number two, let me just state in verses 12 to 13, watch one another. Let's read that first, verses 12 to 13. So after warning them, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, in verse 12, it says here, take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. What's that evil thing? An unbelieving heart is evil before God's eyes. Yes, it's not just murder that's evil. An unbelieving heart to God's word is evil in the sight of God. Verse 13, but encourage one another. Day after day, as long as it is called today. He said, encourage day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What kind of sin? Most likely the sin of not believing. The writer instructed them to watch one another. We can see that. And make sure that there would be no evil, unbelieving heart that falls away. And for today, that is important for us as well. They were encouraged to encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still today, which means don't, in, don't wait for tomorrow, today. Do not harden your heart today. Don't say, tomorrow I'll serve God. Tomorrow maybe I will be more into the Bible. Maybe in the future I'll give more time when I'm not so busy. No, it's today, not tomorrow. Not when you're not busy. It's today. Today is the day. Because tomorrow might be too late. And for some of us, it could be too late in the sense that we don't know when we will die. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Hopefully, we all live long and enjoy our lives, but we don't really know. Jewish believers should be careful. That was what the author was saying. Be careful 
And make sure that there's no unbelieving heart among you. It means watch your brothers and sisters. Or watch those who come to the church community. Because the author believes in the church community that he is writing to, that there are true believers and not true believers. So that's why in, the t- in terms of his tone, the way he speaks, just make sure, watch one another. Watch one another. And that's what we must do. That's why I believe in the growth groups, the smaller groups, because we can watch one another. And we do invite you. Please let us know. Send me a message or any one of us. If you're looking for a small group, a growth group, we can do it online or in person. And we will try our best. There are many, many brothers and sisters here. If you need a kuya and an ate, uh, to, to help guide you in terms of studying God's Word, or you may have prayer concerns. That's how we can watch one another. You see, we are not a, a regular church in the sense that in, in a lot of churches, the pastor is in charge of everybody, and that pastor is so stressed out. He doesn't give good sermons because he's so stressed out uh, watching everybody. Our approach here is to develop small group leaders whom we equip and encourage. And we are, I'm committed to these small group leaders, to a core group of leaders who will be committed to a core group of leaders to make sure everybody is connected. So we can pray for, for everybody if possible. But if we are not connected, then I, I cannot know you that well. But if I heard about you and I heard about who Who's, who leads you as a growth group leader or, as a, or in one-on-one, you have a kuya and an ate, uh, they bring up the message to us when there is an emergency or something to pray for. In that way, we are connected. And even if you have serious questions about God and the existence of God, I love speaking there. I love engaging you. I have engaged many atheists and agnostics before, and some of them already believe God today. And uh, I am willing to challenge every thought, every argument there is, and speak that logically I believe and by faith believe in the Word of God. And uh, for me, it is right and logical and good. So we hope we can watch one another. So what else? Why should we watch another t- one another to make sure that there is no stubborn, unbelieving heart among us. But sometimes uh, the questions must be answered. So we answer those questions. But there are people who are stubborn because they rebel, and that's a different issue. And that's a different issue from the person who is trying to sincerely know more about God. For example, this, this Muslim, Nabil Quraysh, he tried to seek for Allah through the writings to their writings, and then he tried to study Christ, and he ended up being a believer, but he was sincerely looking, looking, and uh, he just could not reconcile the thought that it all leads to the same place. Every religion leads to God and the, the, the one God. That is not true. One of them is a liar, or all of them is a liar, and one is correct, or all of them are wrong. But I would say, as I have studied myself, Christ and the Word of God, I am confident in who we believe in. So we watch one another. We watch one another 
in Christ. So can we do that? And we should try our best to watch one another in Christ. So that's 12 to 13. Let's read verses 14. Can we have that verse 14? For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. If we hold on to our assurance firm until the end. So he says, watch one another. And the next point is what? We have to endure until the end. We have to persevere until the end. So if we look at it carefully, we are partakers of Christ. And there, there's this big if. If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until when? Until the end. So there's a debate among Christian scholars, actually. Some are not true scholars. They just love to debate. <laughs> I see here in Naga, there's the plaza. They just love to debate, but they're not necessarily scholars. They have not studied enough to be worthy of a debate, but they just debate for the sake of debating. They just quote any verse from everywhere without even studying the context of the verse they quote. Much like the devil, you know, when, G when Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil used the word of God, but the application was wrong. The understanding was wrong. It wasn't within context, and that was not supposed to be used for that. That's why we study scripture, because we might end up uh, handling the scriptures like the devil, in the sense that we, we use the wrong application to a specific word or a specific phrase. But then there is a debate among, um, in Christianity about, can one lose his salvation? Some say a person can truly be saved and then lose their salvation. And of course, there's the other camp, if you're truly saved, then you will not lose your salvation. Now, there's a, a unity I can show between the two. Of course, I have a position between the two. I have a very, very strong position between the two, to a point I think I could say that the other one I don't believe is, is accurately biblical. But let me not share that here at this moment because I do not want you misled. But despite your position, what is true is this. If you're a true believer, or if you think you're, you've been a true believer or not, but when or how are we partakers of Christ? It says here, well, if you're truly chosen by God, you will endure until the end. You will endure until the end. You will walk in Christ until the end. You will not let go of your belief in Christ when you are threatened to be persecuted or killed. And many believers in, in the Middle East and even in China have died for their faith until the end. And these people are also experiencing persecution. Persecution of being hurt bodily, but also social persecution. In the same way, economic persecution. That was, it was so it was convenient for them to go back to Judaism because during this time, in the, this was probably written be, between AD 60, early 60s to the mid 60s, and then, but before 70, before the destruction of the temple. And uh, because there was no persecution there, there was no danger, or there was less danger, but being a Christian was dangerous at times hazardous to the body even. I wonder if in that situation, if you are truly believers. I don't know. But that's when we know who's really true, if we hold on till the end. 
Some are believers because it's convenient, because it's encouraging, or because my parents told me to come here, that's why I'm here. But you're just, you just belong to the crowd. But do you truly have faith in Him? Do you truly believe in Him? Do you truly believe in the Word of God? Do you truly absorb God's Word? Do you really have a new heart? Did God give you a new heart? Do you, did you seek for that new heart? Did you repent of your sins and have faith in Him? So, I would like to say, brothers, we should hold on, and they were encouraged to hold on until the end. You belong to Christ if, if you hold on till the end. And my encouragement to you is to hold on until the end. Let's post point number three, please. The writer explained that they were partakers of Christ if they held on until the end. One clear sign that one is truly saved or chosen by God is perseverance. I hope you remember that word. We have to persevere until the end, endure until the end. Not letting go of Christ no matter what. No matter what crisis, no matter how difficult life is, we do not let go and we do not lose heart. We must be careful not to doubt because there's something that really provokes God and it is unbelief. It is unbelief. Unbelief in what He promised in terms of the rest and unbelief of the promises He gave to, in Scripture to us. My wife shared me, to me something that he watched another preacher share and I'd like to share it with you. But it's not about salvation, but he made it so, so practical that, that I could relate, and I think every parent might relate. For example, you're a parent, and I'm a parent, and uh, I've done my best never to make my children feel hunger. And until today, they have not been hungry unless they were fasting voluntarily. So... We make sure we provide, my wife makes sure there's food in the refrigerator, and we provide for their, uh, their clothing, their shelter, and not only that, even going beyond that, as a parent, you want to supply what they need for school. And I've been, we've been very consistent with that since they were born. Parents, a lot of you have done that. Kahit simple lang yung ulam, pero hindi ka nagkulang. Parating may pagkain. Alam mo yon naghirap ka dun. To make sure they're okay. Can you imagine one day, suddenly, your children suddenly have doubts? What will we eat tomorrow? May pagkain ba bukas? Magugutong ba tayo? Saan tayo titira? I don't know about you, but I might be tempted to hit their head. What are you talking about? We are not providing for you? What are you talking about? Nagutong ka na ba? Namalimus ka na ba dyan sa daan? What are you talking about? I would feel that. Imagine how God feels if you always so concerned about your needs and wants. Hasn't He provided in the past? Israel, hasn't He won the victories in the past against the most powerful nation in the world during that time? Did not God open the Red Sea for you? Did He not make water come out of a rock? Did He not give you victory in the battles along the way? Then you will doubt. 
Just because you lost a job or just because your bank account is trickling down, then you will doubt God? Is God limited to your bank account? Is God limited to your job? Then your world crumbles because of that? And you say, where are you, God? God is testing your faith. Can God provide for the Israelites? Yes, but at times he allowed them to experience some hunger to test their faith. But they kept doubting him with the sin of unbelief. Therefore, they provoked God to anger. Please do not buy into these cliches, so many Christian cliches. God is not angry with you. Just come to Jesus. <laughs> what do you think? Jesus is a sissy? Oh, no, no, no. You better repent of your sins. He will forgive you. I have a good God and Christ is good. But the gospel is two ways. The gospel is two ways. You receive forgiveness or you receive judgment. It's not one way. A lot of preachers preach the one way. They do not preach this kind that God gets provoked if you don't believe his word. He gets provoked if you doubt Christ. He gets provoked. Does that happen? Yes, it does. So when we encounter various trials, we ask for wisdom, and we must keep trusting him even go through, going through the difficult times because the testing of our faith produces endurance. Let's go to the application. Number one, let us take heed of the warning of the writer of Hebrews. We should not harden our hearts against his word. Those who hardened their hearts did not enter into his rest, but suffered in the wilderness. So we must enter into his rest and uh, let us be very careful with that. Let us take heed of the warning. So there is a warning. What will you do with that warning? Nothing. It's up to you if you don't want to do anything. That's your life. But then the word is being presented to you so that today you will not harden your heart. Today, not tomorrow. God's day for us to believe in him, to believe in his word, God's day is always today, not tomorrow. It means do not delay. Faith in God should never be delayed. Devotion and trust and worship and everything else to God is not delayed. I'll put this first and maybe someday if I have time, I'll give God time. That is not the way of God. Today is the day. Number two, let us watch each other in the assembly, in the small groups and the family. Let us encourage one another and let us warn everyone. No one should fall away from him, otherwise there would be consequences. All should fear God. Let's watch one another, brothers and sisters. So how can we do that? Of course, in our families, in our small groups. That's why in the family we should talk. Do not assume everybody is a believer, even though they come with you. Oh, no, no, no. They engage so many people, and you want to listen to those engagements. You want to listen to the questions uh, that make people struggle. And I want to answer those questions for you if you allow me. Or at least I try to equip the small group leaders. If not, they will ask from us, and then we will explain to you. Like there are questions like this. Uh, if 
God is, is a, an all-loving God, why is there suffering in the world? If God is a good God, why is there suffering in the world? And that is a philosophical question. Because he's an all-powerful God, because uh, if he's all-powerful and he's loving, therefore he, he can easily remove the suffering in the world. Either he's not loving or he's not powerful enough to do it. But they forgot one thing, that he is also all-wise. And indeed, there is suffering in the world, and God allows it to happen, and even at times makes it happen. That is the God we serve, and we do not make apologies for that. A brother shared to me something like somebody posted like uh, about if God is, is truly God, why did he, does he allow Satan to still exist? So I said, you know, God is wise, why Satan exists and he uses Satan. So let me ask you something. Can you truly know what is good if evil does not exist? Imagine everything is good consistently. Can you really know good if evil does not exist? Can you truly understand what comfort is if you have no discomfort in your life? Can you truly understand what comfort is if there is no dis discomfort? God has created the world and our understanding in terms of allowing us to understand things through opposites. Through opposites. How can you know what understand what joy is if you don't know what sadness and grieving is? How can you know laughter if you haven't cried? How can you appreciate it, I mean, if you haven't cried deeply? How can you appreciate a loved one unless you truly miss them? How can you truly experience love if the first time you offend each other, you never talk to each other for the rest of your life? Why does Satan exist so we understand who God is? And that is the opposite of God. God is eternal and he is sovereign. Satan is limited. How can we appreciate one another? How can you know love if you don't know what hate is? How can you know love if, if, if nobody hated you in your life? That's why we experience such. Then we appreciate some people. These are just some questions that we can keep engaging, but scripture guides us in all this. So what we do, we watch one another. We encourage one another, but most so we watch one another to believe in God's word and to study God's word. So we say, how do you know what you believe if you don't know God's word? That's why we study God's word. We try to be accurate with God's word. It's not just taking verses and presenting it to you. We take time to study. You know how we study? We take time to study the text, the historical context, the literary context. And after I made my study, I have to compare it to writings, to those who have studied it. Some of them from the 17th century, 16th century, some of them from the present age, to test if what I wrote confirms with the studies of others. It's not just, oh, I think this, I, ex I discovered something brand new and I'll give it to you. We take the time, so we encourage one another to study, and that is best in the growth group. So we watch one another. Number three, and I'd like to say, 
we must fear God. Why should we fear God? Remember, He is God. He's forgiving. But choose what side you're in. Choose which side of God you want. The God who will give you compassion because of your faith and repentance. Or the God who you, whom you will provoke and judge you. We belong to Christ if we persevere until the end. So, brothers and sisters, persevere until the end. I encourage you, keep believing in Him. Thus, we hold on to the gospel. And we overcome everything that is in the way of the gospel. Every hurdle and obstacle. Why? Nothing is more important than the good news. The center of His message is the good news. The center of the scriptures is Christ. Yet the, his message is the gospel of Christ. And those chosen by God will endure and persevere until the end. And what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? So, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is Christ, he suffered. He died and resurrected because of our sins. We have debts. And when the Bible says, repent of your sin or your sins, it's not just a general confession, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. Of course you can do that. But you have to know specifically where you sin. Did you gossip? You say, forgive me, Lord, of gossip. Did you hated somebody? Lord, forgive me for hatred. It's specific. Lord, forgive me for thinking lustful thoughts. I committed adultery, forgive me. It is specific. If you are sincere, it shall be specific. And it has to be specific. So this is who Christ is. He paid for our sins on the cross so that those who repent, he said that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all the nations of the world. So we preach repentance. We preach repentance. Last night, I reminded a brother, you know, for the several years I've been, I've been reaching out to you, if you think clearly about what my message is, it's in, I approach you in different ways, but it's always repentance. It's always about turn away from that. It's always turn away, come to God. It's always that, because that is what Scripture commanded us to do. Remember that both the pleasures and the sufferings in this world are temporary but Christ is eternal, and we are partakers of him through faith. If we are, then we have eternal life in Christ. Should we try to compare the world and eternal life in Christ? We can try, but we will end up not comparing, because there is, there is no comparison. The world and Christ? Whoever has tried the world to the maximum, they have realized there's really nothing there. It's all temporary. Happy for now, then after a while you look for another thrill because you are never satisfied. Because the soul of man can only be satisfied in Christ. The grace of God allows us to persevere. So brothers and sisters, persevere. If you're thinking about letting go, then Scripture says, then if you let go, then you truly do not belong to Him. But if you persevere until the end, then you belong to Him. To him, The grace of God allows us to persevere. So we seek for his grace. We seek for greater grace. If we understand that we cannot neglect so great a salvation in Christ, and we genuinely know who Christ is. Who is Christ? He's God. The apostle. The one who represents the Godhead to us 
And he is our high priest, our great intercessor. There is none other. If you know who he is, wala ka nang hahanapin pang iba. Who is Christ to us, the apostle and high priest, meaning he is it. He is it, complete. He is all we need in terms of our souls and eternal life. And remember that God's plan, I'm just reviewing the past, is to rule with him. In the name of Christ, of course Christ rules everybody, but in him, that was his plan. It happens through Christ alone, but it is not yet here. So there's a warning for us, and I put into my own words the warning for us today. So I have entitled this, Take Heed and Persevere. In the wilderness, they all died. Ancestors never satisfied. They complained about everything to God's promise they could not cling. In God's wrath, they did not enter. They could not trust their defender. They grumbled through the process. Thus his rest they did not possess. Do not harden your heart, brother. Do not be stubborn, O sister. Heed the word of God and believe. Rest for your souls you shall receive. Do not turn back to your former way of life without the Savior. Instead, hold on to the gospel. Don't look back. Be very careful. Oh, persevere until the end. Endure hardships and do not bend. Just think it's all temporary. Look to Christ, God's emissary. Watch the flock. Watch one another. In Christ, take care of each other. No one, no heart should be hardened because such heart shall be darkened. There is no rest for the wicked. With unbelief, their souls sickened. Thus heed his divine word today. Christ is the reason you should stay. Let us all rise and let us pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the warning that today if we hear his voice, we should not harden our hearts. And God has established a day to hear his voice and believe. And that day is today. And as long as it is called today, we can believe. For tomorrow might be the end of the line and too late for us. So we heed the warning that today we hear your voice. And that voice is the gospel of Jesus Christ, who offers forgiveness to us, gives forgiveness to us who repent of our sins, who justifies us through faith alone. And that is Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. We cannot save ourselves. We know it is by grace alone. Thus, we only believe we have faith, for grace is received through faith alone. Thank you, Lord. We pray that we would learn to watch one another, 
Encourage one another. Inspire each other to hold on to continue. For Christ is everything. The Son of God and God Himself, who became man, suffered as a man for us. In a moment of silence, speak to the Lord, but do not harden your hearts. Surrender yourself right now to Him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, our lives are yours. We hold on and we will hold on until the end. We will hold on because there's nobody else to hold on to. Nobody's qualified. Only Christ, who was sinless and sacrificed himself for us, is qualified to be the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. We heed his command about repentance and faith to believe. To repent and to believe, we turn away from our sins, we change our minds, and we believe. For today we hear his voice through the gospel. Through the word of God, we hear his voice and we believe. Forgive us, Lord, if we had unbelief. If in the past, in our trying times, we doubted. Instead of trusting in your provision, instead of fearing you and loving you, we were insecure of our situation because we did not trust you. We did not anchor our belief in you. Do forgive us. But from now on, we pray. We will anchor ourselves in your word. And we will hold on to Christ forever until the end. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of his Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. God bless you.